Forgiveness came at a great cost. So the blood flowed. Sin was forgiven. Still, God wasn't satisfied. The first and last wanted more. He wanted a relationship with you. So the God of the first and the last made a heart-wrenching choice for you. He chose to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to earth to have the last word, the first and the last. Jesus came as a baby, small, fragile, human. He became flesh and lived among us, a perfect life without sin. And then Jesus lived out his mission. He came preaching a new kingdom that welcomed people on the fringe. He healed the sick and gave sight to the blind. He challenged religious rules and institutions, and the keepers of the religious rules pressed back. But it was God's will to crush Jesus. And he was willing, saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. The first and last would become the perfect sacrifice. At the Last Supper, Jesus declared that a new covenant was coming. And again, its way would be paved by blood, but this time by the blood of the first and last. Jesus was crucified, crushed, whipped, beaten, mocked, ridiculed. The one who was without sin became sin for us. He took our punishment and again, blood flowed, and Jesus cried out one last time. It seemed that Satan, sin, and death had the last word, and Jesus breathed his last.
Church, it is good. so good to see you this morning. The fact that God has done what he has done 2,000 years ago is still amazing. Amen? Well, listen, if uh, this is your first time, welcome to Christ the King. My name is Pastor Todd. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're here for what we might say is our favorite holiday. Yeah. So before you sit down, here's what I want you to do. Greet those around you and make sure you comment on all their beautiful pastels, okay? to you. Glad that you're here. Somebody say something about pastels. I went to my closet. I'm like black and gray. That's how it rolls in Christ the King. My wife is like, we need to channel your inner egg. That's what's happening. I stood with a guy with a yellow and a pink shirt on. I'm like, this is perfect, right? We fit right in. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I want to say thank you and hello to everybody that is in overflow. We've got a lot of folks that are across the hallway, and we want to make sure you feel a part of what we're doing here. Thank you so much for being on the other side of the wall. I had a privilege of walking with a friend. His name was Fred Nolte through the last days of his courageous battle with cancer. Fred was spending his last days in a little tiny house overlooking uh, Lummy Bay and Lummy Island, and, and I would just kind of stop by. We had the kind of friendship where I could just, I didn't have to knock on the door, I would just kind of walk in, sit beside his bed. If he was sleeping, he'd wake up, and then we'd have conversations about eternity and heaven, and it was just one of those friendships that you just kind of hold on to. I remember one morning I showed up at his place, walked into the house, and, and he was resting, and so I sat down in a chair beside the bed, and, and he was very still. I mean, very still. And I'm kind of looking at him, trying to figure out, like, is there a reason why you're so still? And I finally was curious enough that I actually took my hand, and I thought I was going to kind of like put my hand close to his nose just to figure out whether or not he was still breathing or not. And I got about an inch away from his nose with my hand, and his eyes popped open. And he looked at me and went, ah! And I went, ah! You can imagine, right? Your, pa- your pastor's coming at you like this, right? You know? <laughs> That's really helpful, you know, and I'm just like, Fred, I thought you were dead. He's just like, I almost was. You scared me to death. Like, that's terrible. And then I said, I thought you were dead, but you were asleep. But when you woke up, I almost died and scared to death. But thank God we're both alive, right, you know? I thought Fred was going to kill me after that. In a moment there, just two friends shared a moment, dead, asleep, alive. That's how it went. And I'm hoping this morning that we can just have a conversation like friends and talk about dead, asleep, and alive. Because I guarantee it. I mean, it's not in Scripture, but I guarantee it. At some point that first Easter morning, one of the disciples looked at Jesus and said exactly the same thing to him that I said to Fred. I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead, and then all of a sudden you were alive. The Bible tells the beautiful story that millions of people around the world are celebrating today. If you've never heard it, let me read it for you. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and then sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. Tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy and ran to the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. (laughs) Ah, That's all you have to say right now, right? 
After everything we've gone through, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So let's just rewind the tape for a second, okay? Last weekend we heard that Jesus revealed himself as both the first and the last. On Good Friday, we came together as a church in record numbers for Christ the King. In record numbers, showed up together, and we celebrated the Last Supper. And then we grieved as we looked at the cross and reflected on the fact the Bible says Jesus breathed his last. And with Jesus hanging dead on a cross, it appeared on that last day that Satan and death and sin had won, that they had the last word. But in reality, on that Good Friday, heaven just started counting to three. You understand that? Heaven started counting to three. Three, two, one. And then that morning, on Easter morning, God had the last word. And the last word was not he is dead, it's he is risen. You know, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Because if Jesus is really alive, it means God defeated death, my sin can be forgiven, and I can actually live with the promise of eternal life. That's unbelievable good news. Now, I could spend hours unpacking the reality of the resurrection. I spent four years of my life studying this pivotal moment in history, rereading the eyewitness accounts and looking at the testimony of history that says every single one of Jesus' followers took the story of his resurrection to the point of death. They would not recant that story because they knew that it was true. And in my own life as a skeptic and a natural doubter, the resurrection has posed some interesting problems for me. I look at everything through a skeptical lens. If I can't sleep and I stay up at night and I hear some guy with a British accent telling me it slices, it dices, it does this, I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That stuff, none of that stuff actually works. And the resurrection for me proposes all different kinds of issues with my shaky faith because Jesus challenges every one of us to consider, what if the resurrection is true? So let's walk through some of these challenges together today. The resurrection of Jesus challenges me to be honest about my spiritual condition. I mean, the reality for most people is we all think we're good people. And we're a little offended when the Bible says there are no good people. There's just sinful people doing their best to try and be good, but there's no people that are good in and of ourselves. We all think we're really, really living, and we're a little offended when the Bible shows up and says, actually, you're dead. All of us. The Bible actually says, I'm dead. If you don't believe me, let me read it for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3, all of us, all of us, also lived among them at one time, which means we've all got sin in common. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the craving of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, I didn't like my reality, but it was true. I'm a natural born rebel when it comes to following God. I mean, I've had opportunity after opportunity to follow him, and I just choose to do my own thing. Right? In my life, I can just, let's just be honest, even if it's Easter, okay? I lied, I excused, I've wasted opportunities. God would tell me to do something right. I just decided I was going to do something wrong or do nothing at all. I've cheated, I've stole, I've compromised, I've murdered in my brain, I've lusted, I've been spiritually dead in my own sin. Just didn't want to admit it. And the Bible just says, look, I know it seems like difficult news, but you're dead. Aren't you glad you came to Easter, right? You're dead. But I'm so glad Ephesians 2, the passage that I read, doesn't end there. Because that's not the end of the story. Verse 4 says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. That's amazing news on Easter morning. I've experienced that personally for years. Under the guise of good, nice little church kid. God chased me, pursued me. He kept offering me freedom. He kept begging for me to leave this empty world behind and the dead life that I was living to come home. And you know what I did? I was too arrogant to accept the invitation. Cocky, rude. I didn't want to admit that my life was a sham. I was dead and I didn't want to admit it to anybody. Oh, I would have moments when I ran to Jesus. We all do, right? Normally in the middle of a crisis, and I'd come running back to God and pray the famous prayer that we've probably all experienced at some point. God, if you get me out of this, 
I promise I will never, ever, 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 ever do this again. I'd run back to Jesus until the crisis passed. And then I'd wander right back to the graveyard that was my life. I'd dance on the edge of fully following Jesus, but the need to change was often overtaken by another need. A need to just kind of lay down and take a nap. You know, the Bible says we're dead. It also says something else that's not very encouraging. The Bible also says that I'm asleep spiritually. The Bible says this. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. I look back over my life. God kept saying it over and over again. Grant, wake up. It reminds me of a story in Scripture. Jesus shows up at the funeral of a friend. And people are angry at Jesus because he didn't show up on time. He didn't follow the right timetable. He missed the deadline. And then he shows up afterwards, and his friend Lazarus is dead, and his sisters are asking him questions. Why weren't you here? And Jesus' basic answer is, because I can be here now. I can be here now. And he does what Jesus always does when there's a funeral. He messes up the funeral. Because he shows up and he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. And you guys think this story's done, but I'm just getting started. Watch this. I'll count to three. One, two, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says a dead man woke up, walked out of the tomb, and everything changed. I mean, seriously, if you want to mess with a funeral, do that, right? Raise the dead guy, everything changes, right? Here we were, grieving, getting our mourn on, you know, all the rest of that. Now, now the dead guy's alive, what do we do now, right? We're wearing black, where are the pastels? That's the question we're asking, right? You know, I look back over my life, and I can't deny the number of wake-up calls that Jesus offered to me. And he would just show up and say, come on, Grant, wake up. As a confused church kid with all my Sunday school answers and, and a connection with God that I never understood. And Jesus shows up over and over and over again saying, it's not about your rules and your check boxes. It's about a relationship. Come on, Grant, wake up. Getting up into middle school and high school. Realizing that for whatever reason, I actually knew that there was something empty in my life. That I appeared to be dead spiritually. And Jesus keeps showing up saying, wake up. In a moment in high school when I had to choose, was I going to follow my friends or follow Jesus? And Jesus showed up in my 1978 Honda Civic. You don't need to believe me. Apparently he likes that little automobile. Showed up and said, come on, Grant, choose. Wake up. In a moment in college that I don't even like talking about anymore. When I found myself on the side of a road seriously considering whether or not the world would be a better place if a screw-up like Grant Fishbook would just go away. And having that moment, feeling unbelievably alone, and having God show up and saying, wake up. Wake up. Live. I died and then rose again so you can live. You don't need to experience life this way. There's so much more available for you, but you have to wake up. You have to live. And I love the fact that that Bible verse that we just finished reading from Ephesians chapter 5 says, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And that's not even the end of the story. Here's the promise at the end. And Christ will shine on you. He will shine on you. You know, we all have moments like that. Can we, can we just not pretend for a couple of moments at Easter? We all have moments like that when suddenly we just come to that realization. I feel spiritually dead. I feel asleep. I want to wake up, I just don't know how. We have moments when we get to the end of ourselves and Jesus shows up and we're not sure what to do with him when he says, wake up, live. We have a young couple from our church named Nick and Stacy. Nick and Stacy showed up and they've lived this. Dead, asleep, alive. You're going to see it in just a few moments. If you were here a couple of weeks ago when God did a miracle in our church and 120 people got baptized and like a couple of services kind of blew me away with what the response was. But Nick and Stacy were a part of that baptism. And then we began to hear their story. Dead, asleep, alive. And I can't tell the story nearly as good as they can. So let's watch it together on the screen. My name is Nick Broder, and I have a wonderful fiance, Stacy, and a wonderful four-year-old daughter named Elissa. Back in 2004, 
I was hospitalized for spinal meningitis and I was placed in an 11 day medically induced coma. Coming out of it, I guess I had a 50-50 shot of making it, so they wanted my family to be there just in case. And when I came out of the coma, it was like a day had passed, you know, I was just waking up the next day. A couple weeks later, I went to my neurologist for a follow-up appointment, and they wanted to start treating me for Parkinsonism. And the Parkinson's drug that they gave me, it turns out I'm deathly allergic to it. I turn a bright shade of red, and my body completely rejects it. With every passing day, not being able to treat the degenerating disease made it worse. Every day, I just felt like it could be my last day here. And it got to the point where I longed for it to be my last day here. When Stacy and I first met, we were both coming out of long-term relationships. So when we started again, we were starting with nothing. We bought a house together. And when we moved into that house, it took every ounce of energy I had. Out of frustration, went into the backyard and I was pacing around in circles and having it out with God, basically asking him, why am I your whipping boy? I don't get it. I don't want to play anymore. I just want out. And I gave him an ultimatum. I said, if you don't take me out of this world, I'll do it myself. We had no way of knowing that Stacy's heart was gonna stop beating. Two days after her 33rd birthday, and we were entertaining friends and everything on the back porch, and I had gone in for a drink, and next thing I know, I'm being called back outside. And when I got outside, our friends are trying to hold her up. And as they went to go get help, I laid her down on the ground and I started administering CPR. The paramedics were there and they had taken over and all I could do was just stand there and watch. I, I couldn't do anything. Uh, next thing you know, I hear the familiar sound of the machine going, stand back, preparing to shock patient. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see Alyssa's blinds flicker. I thought to myself in the moment, I go, Man, she just saw that. She just saw her mom get shocked, and she's watching all of this. The best thing I could do was just go be with Alyssa. She looked up at me, and she says, is mommy going to be OK? And I, I lost it. I didn't know what to say. Um, I couldn't tell her no. I, I couldn't tell her that she wasn't going to be. So I said nothing, and I fell to my face on her bed, and I just started crying. And next thing I know, Alyssa's lays her head down on mine to tell me it's going to be okay. And, and I realized, you know, she, she deserves an answer. And so I sat up and held her hand, and I said, you know, Mommy's in good hands right now, but would you like to pray to Jesus with me? And for the first time, her and I prayed together. We prayed for understanding and acceptance of his will. I prayed for the strength that if it was his will to take Stacy to be a role model, to be able to teach Elissa the love that God and her mom has for her. I, I had asked her if she had felt better now that we were done praying. And she says, yes, Daddy, Jesus will take care of Mommy. Stacy's heart still wasn't beating. That didn't change. And the machine was actually threatening to shock her a third time when I walked over. And I just knelt down by her head and I said, fight, you gotta fight. With that, she took a deep breath and the county sheriff standing there looked at me and he shook my hand and he said, I don't know what you did before we got here, but you saved her life. It's a miracle. The more I think back on it, you know, I asked myself, what kind of a man am I that I wanted to out of this world. When Stacy was willing to fight for life even after her dying breath, and I made a promise that day to God that I would do everything in my power to make each day matter and each day count. Well, with each day, we try to move closer to him. So we decided, you know, we were gonna, we had the chance to do things right and we're gonna take full advantage of it and we pray together now. 
We come to church every weekend now. We talked about baptism. Stacy and I had talked about baptism many times over and had wanted to for so long. And then after this day, we basically said, you know, why not now? And when she got out of the hospital, that was one of the first things I did was got in touch with Christ the King and I asked him when their next baptismal service was gonna be. And yeah, that was, that was just another step. And then the next step after that is for us to follow through with this engagement and get married. If I could take anything away from this whole experience and how it changed me, it would be that through the pain of every day, God is good. And through the pain of tomorrow, God is great. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Nick's at the end of himself. And God whispers, wake up. Elissa was the only one who was truly awake, wasn't she? <laughs> she already got it. Stacy, wake up. Live. Fish book. Wake up, Liv, Alan, DJ, Dorothy, Tony, wake up. There's so much living to do. And the way that works is I am the resurrection and the life, and nobody comes to the Father unless you go through me first. That's what Jesus said. Now, the resurrection of Jesus challenges all of us to either deny it or accept it. We, can, we have that option. We can deny the res resurrection of Jesus, and we can settle, dead or asleep. We can. Or we can accept a reality that's a little difficult to swallow, let's be honest. A reality that God loved the world so much that he sent his son as a baby. That Jesus lived a perfect life. That Jesus died hanging on a cross to take the penalty of my sin. That Jesus defeated death once and for all and came back to life. And that today he stands in front of me and says, wake up, live Leave your sin behind you in confession and repentance and enter into the life that I've got for you, the only life that I've ever called you to live. You know, the resurrection of Jesus challenges me to become fully alive and fully awake for one reason, because Jesus lives. Romans 6 says this, what, so what, we, what should we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can increase? By no means. We are those who've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? You know, so many people think, oh, I get it. I'll just invite Jesus to walk this path that I'm already on. He can conform to my schedule and my value and my priorities. And we end up saying, you get to walk alongside of me. You can be my co-pilot. <laughs> that doesn't work. Just in case you're wondering. We say it though, right? I got this Jesus. I'm in control. I can manage this on my own. I'm fine. And God comes back and says, that's not how this works. We learned it last week. There's only room for one king of the universe in your, universe in your life, and you're not him. There's one throne, and until Jesus is sitting on it, we're either dead or asleep. That's the simple truth. The Bible continues and says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, from the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. Are you living? Or are you asleep? The Bible says you can have a new life. You can say goodbye to your old life. You can have your sin forgiven. You can start brand new today. You can wake up. You can experience the same resurrection power that happened when, Je when God whispered into Jesus' ear. It's time. Wake up. You can experience that same resurrection power in each and every moment of your life. You say, how do I do that? It's a simple act of faith. It's just believing that Jesus was everyone that he said that he was. I got a question for you. Is today your wake-up call? Just like, no, Grant, this is not what I was planning. I came here to get my grandma off my back, and then we're going to go, like, eat ham and search for eggs. That's all I'm planning on today. Wake up. He's risen. Wake up. It's a simple prayer of faith. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And I know for some of you, you didn't plan it, and that's okay. I didn't plan it either. I did not plan Jesus hijacking my life. But that's what he did.
And I prayed a simple prayer. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you if today is the day when you say, I believe God's tapping me on the shoulder saying, time to wake up. Time to live a new life. Time to accept or deny. You choose. My prayer is that you'll pray this prayer in a simple act of faith and understand that God has the power to wake your soul today. So would you bow your head and close your eyes with me just so we can have a moment to concentrate. And if today the word of God has touched you or something I said or something that Nick and Stacy said, if you're just like, okay, time to wake up. I'm going to ask you to pray this simple prayer in your heart right now. Jesus, I confess that I've gone my own way. I confess that I've sinned against you right now. I repent and ask for your forgiveness. I give back to you the life that you gave me. I ask you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. I give myself fully and completely to you. I'm awake. I'm alive because you're alive. With every head bowed, if you prayed that prayer sincerely, Can I tell you what just happened? You're new. You've been washed completely clean. All the old labels that the world put on you or you put on yourself, all of those have been stripped away. The best part of you and the worst part of you has been fully accepted. God has accepted you. In fact, if you prayed that prayer, he just adopted you into his family. You are his son or his daughter. You're a new creation. All that old stuff, it's gone. You just began a new life. And I'd love to celebrate with you. If you prayed that prayer this morning and sincerely meant it, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, but will you just slip your hand up in the air so that I can see it? You prayed the prayer. Oh, God bless you. 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 God bless you, God bless you, God bless you back in the corner. God bless you in that section over there. God bless you guys. Overflow, I can't see you, but just stick your hand straight up. There's a pastor there who's watching for you because you matter. God bless you. God bless you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment when you change lives. When you do something new in us. God, I thank you for everyone in this room, everyone in the overflow that just responded. Lord Jesus, may this be a first step, a first step of faith as they begin to follow you. I thank you that you are the God of wake up, that you are the God of live. And I pray that so many today would live today because Jesus lives we pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Can we just bless those who have given their hearts to Christ this morning? Awesome. In church, we are not done, but would you stand with me? Can I talk to those of you that just raised your hand and ask you to do me a huge favor? I know we probably don't know each other, but would you trust me with 12 minutes of your life? I know it's a big ask. I'm wearing a pastel shirt. I mean, just don't judge me, all right? I remember doing this as a little kid. Something happened. And I remember when Pastor Bob Dunlop, my hero, stood at the end of an aisle and said, I know this takes guts. Step out of your seat. Come down here. Shake my hand. And I, I did. I, I did freak me out. I walked forward. I, that freaked me out. And then I went to a back room.
Can I show you a picture of our back room just so it's not freaked out? Okay, there it is. It looks like a living room, right? That's cool. Nobody can do anything weird like that, okay? And I went into the, the back room of a little Baptist church and a guy named Brian Wilson prayed with me and I've known Brian ever since. And that moment just kind of stuck something down deep in my soul. I'm going to ask you to consider doing something. See, I've been standing here long enough and I'd love some company today. And I've got some really good friends that are kind of standing over there under that exit sign. In a moment, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something like stupid courageous. I'm going to ask you if you'd consider, would you slip out of your seat and come down here so I can shake your hand and say, welcome to the family. And then I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. No bait and switch, no weirdness. We're going to go up that ramp into that little back room and some people that I really love and trust. We'd just like to get to know your name. I'd like to share a little bit of our story. We'd like to give you a gift. I promise you, no one will do anything weird, okay? I promise you, we don't do weird at Christ the King. We do Jesus, but we don't do weird. And I know you're thinking like, I got a thousand reasons why this does not work in my life right now. Wake up. Live. Jesus is not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of him. So right now, if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you, would you slip out of your seat and come this direction? Come right down here and shake my hand. Just start moving. Come on. Here we go. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. Well, we got the whole row.
love Easter. I love what Jesus has done. Amen. It's been awesome. Listen, if you had a friend or family member who took off into the uh, bowels of our church, um, we want to let you know that you can meet them if you go down the hallway that way. There's, um, there's restrooms and a soda machine down at the end of the hall. There's a door down there. That's where they'll be coming out in a few minutes after the service is over. So in case you're like wondering, how do I find them? That's how you do it. Listen, one of the things I want to encourage all of us with is this brochure that's out in the comments. It's called CDK Life. If you are wondering, hey, how do I get connected around here? It doesn't matter if you've been here a week or if you've been here years. Each season, we try to connect more and more people into what God is doing. So if you're looking to take that spiritual step, there's a bunch of classes that start in a few weeks. There's also a bunch of ministries, all different ages that go on around here. This informational pamphlet will tell you everything you know about the life of CTK. So if you want to know, this is where you get it. Now, also, what's so great is there's a bunch of people on the right as you're heading out who are, represent all of our different ministries. If you want to hear about what's going on personally, you know, with a live person, that's a great way to get connected. Church, we are going to end this service strong, okay? Are you ready? We're going to do two things. First, uh, we're going to worship the Lord by giving back our tithes and our offerings. And for those of us who call this place home, it's a way of us being generous so that we can continue doing the work that God is having us do here. Now, if you're a guest, what's going to happen is there are going to be these white buckets that are going to be passed down your row. And listen, if you're a guest, just let the bucket pass you by. We don't need anything or want anything from you. We're just grateful you're here. But we're also going to finish by singing one last song. So let's do that together. Let's worship our God right now.
everybody for coming and joining us this Easter. If you made a decision to follow Christ and maybe you didn't have enough courage to go off into the bowels of the church as Pastor Todd said, no big deal. We've got a huge turquoise wall out in the commons that there's going to be some people there and they've got a free gift for you if you've made that decision. So go on and check them out. Everyone else have a great week. Happy Easter. See you later.